Hold on to your butts. Welcome to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. (laughs) I'm going to do the whole review like this. Because the issue's called Night Scream. (laughs) Yes, this is uh, the July 1982 on sale, April 6, 1982, Uncanny X-Men, issue 159. And as as Jeremy mentioned, it's called Night Screams. Night Screams! Sounds like an 80s television show! Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm going to stop that now. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> um, this cover's terrible. You don't like this one? I like this one. Uh, I like the X-Men minus Storm. I mean, uh, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, a plain-clothed Kitty Pride, and Colossus all kind of freaked out, hiding in the corner. Um... Afraid, clearly, of Storm's shadow. All of that is good. It's just the storm in the background. What the hell is going on here? You don't you don't like the storm in the background? No, it's god-awful. It's storm with teeth. Yeah, but it looks like Buddha storm with teeth. I guess. I don't know. It looks like storm to me. She's got those big puffy cheeks. Like, you can't really tell uh, where her... Like, if her face was... I, I think it has to do with her headpiece. But her headpiece makes it look like... Um, it kind of makes her look like she's got a bulldog face. Yeah, it's definitely very animalistic, but I, I still like it. What I really don't like about this cover, and I don't like it in the issue either, is kitty socks. Wow. I just thought these were part of her boots. Well, I don't know. Are they? Because <laughs> she looks like she's got sneakers on, but the socks go over her pants. But they're also lines, so it looks like she tied herself up with mummy straps. Right. And well, and they're the same color as her shoes, which is also pretty awkward. Maybe it is her shoes, but it's a weird shoe design because it looks like her shoes cut off. Yeah, well, there's laces down by her ankles, and then the the shoe sock boot or whatever keeps going up to almost her knees. So I don't know, Adam. I think it's just I think those are miscolored uh, leg warmers or something. And there's a weird little shadow of Storm behind the X Men too. I like that shadow. That shadow's pretty good. I like that. Uh, So you don't like things about the cover. I don't like things about the cover. Maybe we should just skip this issue. All right. Uh, I read some Dazzler. (laughs) Let's do an episode-long review of Dazzler. Oh, my gosh. Panel by panel review. There's a lot of uh, nudity. (laughs) That's no surprise. (laughs) Well, Comics Code approved nudity. (laughs) Uh, We get a little introduction here. Never let it be said that those mutant superheroes, the uncanny X-Men, don't know how to make an entrance. We don't get this usually. I never said that. Yeah. I never said that either, but let it not be said. What I want to know is why, okay, they're they're coming in, you know, they think Misty's home. They, they think this is in fact Misty. Why do they have to burst through the door all at the same time and also have Nightcrawler bamf in and Kitty phase in? Well, it goes on to say... In this case, into the Greenwich Village apartment uh, to their friend, Private Investigator Misty Knight, which you've covered. Nightcrawler teleports, uh, presumably from the other side of the wall, so he's teleporting into an area where he's never, well, he has seen the room before. But who knows, maybe Misty, like, reorganized, and, like, now he's teleporting into a couch. He teleports right in front of her, too. I know. It's like he knows where she is. Kitty phases through the wall. Wolverine, Storm, and Colossus, however, resort to a more traditional method. But even they look like they're kind of bursting through the door. (laughs) Storm, that is not Misty. Maybe we should have knocked. (laughs) Yeah, I'm assuming they 
have a key, and that's why they're doing this. But still, you knock. Well, it's like this panel to me kind of says like things are crazy, and we got to get to Misty right now. Yeah, but that's that, misleading. But that, it's totally misleading because that's actually not what's going on here. But it's not Misty Knight; uh, it's her roommate. But before we get to that part, Chris Claremont. I mean, don't get me wrong; I like this panel. Uh, I just it doesn't make any sense. Oh, I, there's nothing wrong. I mean, it's well drawn, it's well inked. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this panel at all. But you're right; it it conveys a mood that is not what is happening. Uh, Chris Claremont is the author. Uh, we can blame this panel on Bill Sinikiswitz. He's the guest penciler. This issue has the Marvel method written all over it. Mm. I don't know if that's a fact or not, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, maybe in Bill Savinskiewicz's mind, they were in a hurry. Yeah, could be. Bob Wisiak, I mean Wiasek, damn it, Bob <laughs> is the inker. Tom Orszakowski is the letterer. Glenn Sweeney's the colorist. Luis Jones is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor in chief. Nightcrawler does come in, and he says, "Guten Abend, wie geht's Ihnen?" Which means, "Good evening. How are you?" Yeah, they kind of got the grammar wrong, and we gets in, and but I fixed it. With Google. You are a linguist, Adam. Google is a linguist. It turns out that this woman is not Misty Knight. It is Harmony Young, who's a top fashion model in New York. Yes, we met her in a prior issue of Power Man and Iron Fist. She was moving in oh. during the last Sabretooth issue. Oh, wow, crazy. And, uh, yeah, Misty's not here right now. No, she's not, and she's she's a little bit freaked out. But then the X-Men are like, hey, you know, Misty said we could stay here uh, anytime, but we'll be on our way since she's clearly not here. But Harmony is looking at Colossus and Nightcrawler, and she's like, hey, don't worry about it. If it's okay with Misty, it's okay with me. I like having guys around, especially when they're cute. That's when Kitty thinks to herself, what's she talking about? Colossus isn't cute. No. What's she oh. talking about? Colossus isn't cute. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. Turns out the reason that they're in town is because Kitty has a date with her folks this evening. So, uh, Misty Knight used to live with Jean Grey, right? Yeah, this is the same apartment. And this is that loft apartment which is in Manhattan, correct? Yes, it is. And Kitty's parents live in Deerfield, Illinois, right? Maybe they're... I don't yeah. <laughs> now we we do know, we do know that Kitty's parents got a divorce. So So she's uh, just visiting. They even say this is a Greenwich Village apartment. So it's <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> and and Wolverine does says you've got a date with your folks plural this evening, kiddo. So that's fine. I mean, I could accept that maybe Kitty's folks are in Manhattan and they want to go out to dinner and maybe chill at a hotel or something. So, but I just want to keep all of that in mind as we proceed through this issue. Uh, Kitty wants Storm to go with her. She doesn't want to go alone to, uh, you know, for the trip. Yeah. Not to stay, of course. But Storm didn't bring the appropriate clothes, but Harmony's like, hey, I got plenty of clothes. I'm a fashion model. What'd I do? Storm's worried that they might not be the same size, but Harmony's all like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. By the way, I love your hair and your color. I wish it could be mine. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, I'm all sizes. <laughs> Outside, uh, there's some fog brewing up. And uh, after 
uh, a slow six-pack later. So either Wolverine drank the whole six-pack or uh, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Wolverine each had two. But regardless, after that, uh, the ladies come out and everybody thinks that they are beautiful, which is a little creepy because uh, Nightcrawler's like, magnificent. Kitty's like, do you mean it, Kurt, really? And Wolverine's like, worth the wait, kid, and that's no lie. She's 14, for God's sakes. Yeah, but that's what you do to a 14-year-old. I mean, it's not like they're, like, hitting on her. They're just saying she looks great. You're uh, making her feel good. I know. You have a daughter? <laughs> I would never tell her that. Like, you look awful. <laughs> Go put some more clothes on. Soon after that, Kitty and Aurora are on their way. They're walking down a street uh, that it's it's kind of cliche. It's a, a street light and then a whole bunch of fog and there's silhouetted shadows are off in the distance. Uh, Kitty is wearing a green vest and a green skirt. Keep yeah. That in mind. Oh, okay. All right. So we flip our attention over to Rio Diablo, where um, Alex has been getting acquainted with his father. And Alex and Scott are out in the uh, New Mexico desert, hanging out, talking about that, how weird it is, how Scott's always been a loner, but he's survived. You know what's off in the distance here? Um, a, a butt. There's there's multiple butts, so I have to imagine that Scott's like, you see that butt over there? <laughs> <laughs> Want to know what I did on that butt? I, you think this is like the same desert that oh, that butt was in? It's the Marvel Universe. It's always the same. There's only a few butts. <laughs> there's only like three butts in the Marvel Universe. This is also the same butt that Hulk was punched into or Juggernaut or whatever happened in those issues. Anytime we've ever mentioned a butt, it's here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, Havoc is like, oh, man, it's pretty rough for me, but I can't even imagine it being for you. I was adopted and you weren't. That sucks for you. Cyclops changes the subject. Hey, man, uh, you've been testing out your powers. And he's like, Alex says, or sure. Actually, I think Alex speaks like the summer. All the summers speak the same now. So it's like, speaking of survival, have you been practicing the use of your powers as Havoc? Sure have, big brother. Prove it. How's that? Not bad. You pulverize the pieces into dust. I disagree, because if you look at these panels, in the second panel, it's it's definitely as if Havoc's like, Oh, Scotty, you had nothing. And then in the next panel, Scott, uh, speaking of survival, I mean, if you just look at those goofy grins, and then when Havoc throws his head back, then that's when Havoc is like, Practice my powers. Sure have, big brother. So you got to go along with their faces there. There's some dopiness occurring. All that power, Scotty, with only a ruby quartz glasses to hold it in check. I'm not sure I can handle that kind of pressure or responsibility. You do fine, Alex. My deadly eyes. <laughs> and so they head back home where Lorna is cooking. Um, We're home, my love. About time. <laughs> Wash up, you two. Or, I mean... I'm wondering, is this the same day that Havoc... I mean, Corsair arrived, or is this like a couple days later, or do we just not know? Um, no, I think it's a few days. It's, it's, at least, it's at least the next day, because remember they went into the whole, uh, you know, they talk into the night. Oh, sure. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yep, yeah, so they have a good dinner, and... Uh, Superb. My compliments <laughs> to the chef. It's just my way of getting out of doing the dishes. Dad, what are your plans? Will you stay? For a while, Scott. This is crazy. 
Corsair wants to head back into space because even though he's from Earth, everything's changed. It's just not the same place. If when you leave, what about us? Would you want us to come with you? Scott, Alex, my dear boys, I don't know. You're you're good in a fight, but I just don't know if I want to drag my boys around. Seems like too much baggage when trying to pick up the ladies. These two, they're my sons. Long story. Want to go out on a date? Isn't he dating uh, Hepzibah? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I thought there was a thing. Maybe oh. not. Well, anyways, back in New York, uh, Nightcrawler is dazzling Harmony with apparently stories of the circus. And that's when the phone rings, Nightcrawler gets it, and this is where I, I call into question where the hell are they? Because Kitty has now changed into a different set of clothing. She's tossing up and down a teddy bear. She's clearly in a bedroom. I mean, I guess maybe maybe it's a hotel room, but... Why did she change? That's like I said before, when she was wearing green, and now she's wearing... She got rid of the vest. She's wearing a yellow shirt. Looks like... Either her skirt is shoved up or she's wearing a different skirt. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, this this is definitely like I'm going home to visit my parents. We we hung out and now I'm in the my bedroom calling all my buds. So Does she have clothes at her house or did she bring like a spare set? Well, that's the question. Is she at her house? And how if she is at her house, how could that be since her house is presumably in Deerfield, Illinois? Maybe her they divorced and her dad moved to New York and her mom is visiting her dad and she's visiting them together. Okay. That's possible, I suppose. Well, uh, she wants to know if she could talk to Aurora for some reason. Like, I've just been hanging out here thinking about Aurora. Can I talk to her? <laughs> what do you mean she's not there? She got tackled in an alleyway on the way back. I, I just, I want to check in and see if she made it. I figured she was okay. <laughs> we needed a quick plot device, so this is what we're doing. No, if you haven't seen her. Kitty said she left hours ago from Deerfield, Illinois. It is a long flight, you know, Kitty. <laughs> well, we see that she, Aurora, that is, is laying out, laying out, is laid out in an alleyway with a couple of puncture wounds in her neck. Does she have the same outfit on? I'm obsessed with outfits. Uh, it looks like she's got like a little pantsuit thing going on here. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, slightly different, but whatever. Like she, she, they made this big deal about this purple sweater that she put on, and it's got a, it covers up her neck. But so, I don't know. Th this is when for me the artwork takes. Uh, I'm not going to say a dive, but it, it kind of changes a little bit. And uh, while I, I don't care for this issue, uh, the artwork seems to um, match the story. Everything's kind of heavily inked, uh, muted colors, uh, wacky angles, that type of thing. Oh, it's, it's Bill Scheisenschwitz. <laughs> it's his style? Yeah, I, I think so. And I'm not... We saw his Dazzler covers. Oh, yeah. It's, he does do a good Dazzler cover. Well, anyways, the, the uh, an ambulance rushes to a hospital and a doctor drags a gurney in that has storm and says she's got a throat wound she's bled out we gotta we gotta get her in for some i don't know maybe a transfusion or something it'll be touch and go whether she survives the night yeah havoc says as he works on storm can she talk any chance of a statement i'm just doing everybody in this <laughs> voice 
Inburst Colossus and Wolverine. Uh, they look angry, which is weird. I mean, they should just be like, they should probably have some concern for their friend, but... So from the victim's wallet, the police gain her New York address. A phone call is made, and very soon after that, two of her friends arrive. So presumably, Aurora had the phone number for Misty's apartment. That is some forward thinking. Well, I mean, if they're without a home... Right. And I don't know. At first I was like, how how does that make sense? But now that I think about it, it, it does kind of make sense, I suppose. What if it's the next day and everybody's back at the mansion? And she gets attacked. Well, the mansion's gone. Oh, is this? The don't have a home right now. They're living in Magneto Island, which presumably doesn't have a phone number. <laughs> Did it got? Oh, that's right. The Sidri smashed it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. Well, uh, Doctor O'Hara is working, is handling her case, uh, and she doesn't know if she'll pull through. Is this the same doctor from Avengers Annual Ten? <laughs> I don't know. Could be. Pro- I mean, that was in L.A., so it shouldn't be. (laughs) I don't think so, but maybe. Or San Francisco. So the doctor gives them all an update. Uh, They want to give give her a blood transfusion, but she's got a rare blood type, and she's producing some extraordinary results. Do you think she has type O? I I think she's got... For for Aurora? (laughs) Yeah. Well, Wolverine thinks to himself that's the mutant genes that gives us their powers also makes their blood unique. So is this the first time we're getting that tidbit of information? First and last, I think. (laughs) No, I think it, I mean, it's not a huge plot point ever, but I think it's mentioned. I mean, you know, it kind of jumps around. All mutants have healing factors we learned at one point. Oh, really? Yeah, that was was a while ago. I think they've abandoned that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right. Uh, well, in the future, we'll learn that mutants have different physiology, and so doctors uh, aren't the best equipped to work on them. But oh, I see. Yeah. Anyway, so it's not whatever. It's inconsistent at best. If this doc keeps poking about, she'll realize what Aurora is and possibly who she is. The X-Men's cover will be blown wide open, says Wolverine. <laughs> Doing his best Scott impression. <laughs> He's the leader. He's, he's stepping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure why the X-Men need to be covered. Like, why do they have a cover well, at this point? Well, because... We, we know that mutants are not lo- loved, but... Because they're an outlaw group of mutants. I guess when I think of cover, it's like, you know, secret identities. Um, I, I think that they're kind of doing a secret identity thing here. Or maybe they just don't want to raise attention that these people are the X-Men, the X-Men are here, and the X-Men are wanted for some questioning. Mm, maybe, I guess. But, I mean, what what about Roro's blood is going to point that, out that she's an X-Man? Because at this point in the Marvel Universe, all mutants are X-Men. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> in the public's eyes, anyways. So, uh, the doctor brings them into Storm's room, and she's getting ready for them to, getting them ready to see her kind of laid out, like kind of, you know, not really with it. But they find her standing up, looking out at the moon, and the doctor's like, what the blazes? Get into bed right now. And Storm's like, I feel great. And I really like the sky. It's foggy out. Are those (laughs) eyes looking at me through the fog? No. Just my imagination. And this is where Storm goes through some rather weird transformations. Uh, She'll look like Storm, and then she will grow giant puffy lips, and then she'll go back to looking like Storm. It's 
very weird. I mean, you have to admit that the second-to-last panel on this page, it's not good. It's almost, well, everybody has puffy lips. Like, Dr. O'Hara has really puffy lips, too. Yeah, but these are, like, really puffy. It's like he started with these lips, and he's going to draw in this perspective, but then realized he had such a small panel that he drew the rest of her smaller. Yeah, but go back a page. Dr. O'Hara's lips are are, uh, amazingly full and large, and then on the next page, they're kind of normal. Yeah. I don't know. I think just Bill Shanitskowitzka likes uh, lips. You might be right. He starts with the lips. He does draw some some pretty good lips here. I'll give you that. Other than the lips, this is a good Aurora, I think. You can't really it's tell because yeah. it's mostly lip and anime eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, he does a lot of anime eyes, too. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is not a good panel. But the next one of Dr. O'Hare, where she's kind of like given, you know, I appreciate your concern, Dr. O'Hara, but I would rather return home. And she's definitely feeling like, whatever, you don't know what you're talking about. This is a very good drawing of a woman who's, like, just been slighted. This woman would be played by Sigourney Weaver in the movie. But this woman does not look like the original Dr. Harrow that we were introduced to. No, it's true. <laughs> this one, I mean, you can kind of see that she doesn't, but it kind of looks like she has a bob. She has thinner lips, whereas the original Dr. Harrow has long, flowing hair, thicker lips, and just kind of like Asian slanty eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's very weird. Agreed. Agreed. I think that the second rendering of Dr. Hera is more attractive than the first. Well, <laughs> I, if you have to choose sides, I... <laughs> no, anyways. The uh, the X-Men, they get Storm home. They put her to bed, and she's like, I'm I'm fine. I, I st- I just, I'll just go to bed, and everything will be okay. Will you stop mothering me, all of you? I'm fine, really. I shall be better after a good night's sleep. Good night, says Storm. <laughs> Uh, so they leave and it turns out that Storm is having anything but a pleasant night. She's She's tossing and turning and sweating and there's fog inside the room and we get a really good panel. It looks like a pencil sketch of a, of a gorgeous woman. It's a really nice panel. Is it Storm though? It's Storm enough. It's it's a wonderful drawing, but it's like this, where did this come from? This was like the cover of like a cover girl magazine. Yeah, this is, you know, yeah, it's Storm. It's just Storm in a different style. How come this Storm has brown eyes? And in the previous panel, she had blue eyes. Are her eyes colored? I thought that this, I I only see two colors in my version of this panel. Oh, in the uh, Marvel Masterworks. Yellow, black, and white, so I guess three colors. Mm. Yeah, in the previous panel, they're blue. Maybe that's what they're trying to go for, is that her eyes have changed colors. Oh, maybe. Anyways, uh, she gets up, uh, and she opens the window, and that's when the fog envelops her. And she says to somebody, enter freely and of your own will. Which, you know, she she has to invite him in. That's the rules. Yep. So we cut to Sunday, late Sunday afternoon. Kitty arrives home and wearing yet another outfit. Seems like she kept her yellow top on, but decided to put on pants. Yeah. Hi guys, I'm home. Did you miss me? Good Peter Logan, what's wrong? Where's Aurora? Well, she's in Misty's room, and she's not doing well. She was attacked Friday night, and uh, uh, it's like she doesn't want to go on living. It's weird. Which is totally weird, because that's not what we see in the previous panel, but I guess maybe that was Friday, and we don't know what happened on Saturday. All right, yeah, Saturday must have been pretty terrible. Yeah. So Kitty runs in, she opens up the blinds, the sun comes pouring in, and she's like, Oh, the curtains, child, close them, I beg you, the sunlight hurts. 
Now she has no pupils. And she looks old and she looks she looks terrible. So d- definitely she has had a rough weekend. She looks awful, Kitty thinks to herself. So weak and pale, so old. She reminds me of Grandma when she was sick that last time. Mm-hmm. Do we ever hear about Kitty's Grandma again? Not that I know of. Storm looks like she doesn't get pupils back for this entire page. <laughs> kind of a storm thing uh kitty wonders how it's going um storm's like i'm fine don't worry about me it's definitely not like she's like i don't want to live it's not the impression i'm getting here kitty points out like oh hey what's that thing you're wearing around your neck with the big kind of uh cursive d on it (laughs) it's a gift of mine from an admirer but how can that be he's a figment of my imagination a phantom who haunts my dreams says storm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset you. And that's when her silver star of David glints off of whatever sunlight is in the room, and Storm is like, that's all. Ow! And she winces. Kitty's like, hmm, my star of David, something's weird. I wonder if she's been bitten by Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Storm's like, I'm, I'm tired, I've had enough, and she... Grabs Kitty by the throat and says, leave me be! And Wolverine so- overhears. Shouldn't Wolverine, like, I don't know, when when Wolverine has all those heightened senses, so he should be at least weary of the presence of whoever is visiting, right? Uh, yeah. Like, she, he, she should smell like evil, or, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. When When the mysterious visitor comes in, he should be like, I'll pick up a scent. Smells like Dracula. Well, Kitty's like, yeah, I'm not crying. I just got to run some errands. Yeah, bye. Yeah, she asks where uh, Aurora's wound was, and Wolverine says, throat wound slashed across the jugular, but not deeply enough to puncture the vein. That's what the doctor told me, I guess. So that night comes. Storm gets up. She opens the door. Fog comes in, and she admits her lover. He does not keep her waiting. Aurora, your name means beauty. Through me, Windrider, that beauty shall remain unchanged to the end of time. Through me, you shall have the immortality a goddess deserves. Do you wish this? Asks Dracula. (laughs) Yes, says Storm. Good. (laughs) So Storm bears her neck and... uh... And I really like this panel because I like how they cut off the panel to isolate dracula's teeth and storm's neck Mm -hmm. it's a good use of i don't know panel breakups yeah yeah, yeah. and i just i like uh dracula and storm here uh look great so this is a good panel and it is dracula he is the uh he is the prince of darkness he is dracula i suppose i could change up for dracula uh I make you the bride of the Prince of Darkness, Dracula. Ah, ah, ah. Bleh. One, two, three, four. Ah, ah, ah. And that's when Indiana Jones enters the room. Leave her alone, monster. Who dares, the child? And she bursts through the wall with her Indiana Jones hat. Or you could also look at it as a Robin Hood cap. And her Indiana Jones jacket. That's true. She's got that. Uh, uh, And she's got a cross. And she's showing that cross to Dracula. And he's like, oh, no. uh, Wait, it it doesn't work on me if you do not believe. I'm Italian now. 
It's me, Mario. You are no Christian, but a Hebrew. Ah, ah, ah. And Hebrews do not believe in Jesus, so I don't know why this makes any difference, but you have no effect on me. Ah, 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 ah. He grabs her by the neck, and uh, the Star of David that she's holding starts burning his hand because she is Hebrew and she does believe in that, and, you know, it's a spiritual item. Sure, yep. Aurora, uh, we got him on the ropes. We've got a chance. Let's get out of And that's when Storm punches her across the face. Yeah, it's it's like a swipe cross. Ow, that, that looks like it hurts. None may harm my lord kitten, not even you. And so they fly away. Looks like Dracula has turned into a very large bat. Forget me, my child, and pray that we never meet again. And that's when the rest of the X-Men burst in. Yeah, where, like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, where were you when Kitty ran into the room and was like, Hey, guys, I'm just going to take this uh, cross and jump into the room. Don't mind me. Hey, guys, I think Dracula's in there. (laughs) Want to help me with this? Never mind, I'll do it by myself. Well, he took her. Dracula took her. Now... She she tries to explain that to everybody that it's Dracula, but she didn't want to. She didn't want to admit it, or she thought it was Dracula all along, but she didn't want to admit that because she thought they would question her. So she did all her own investigation, which I don't know. Apparently, entailed picking up a cross and buying an Indiana Jones outfit. <laughs> but um, Wolverine doesn't believe her, and I don't know. It just it strikes me as weird, as if like this is the Marvel universe. And Dracula exists. I think we know this. Uh, It even says, Do not scoff, Wolverine. Kitty is no child. I trust her word as I would my own or yours. Also, in my homeland, Bavaria, we have learned from video experiences not to take vampires, especially Dracula, lightly. So, so there. (laughs) So, there's definitely a Marvel comic called, like, Tomb of Dracula or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I think it was like a 70s comic or something. Yeah. But is that firmly rooted in the Marvel Universe, or is that just a Marvel comic book? I don't know. So, that I, I mean, clearly with this issue, and maybe something that we don't know of in the past, I mean, Dracula exists, and whether or not they've heard of them, I guess that's a totally different story. Well, Kurt has had dealings with him, apparently. Well, it's more like, it, it looks like... Um, we have learned from bitter experience. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe when, uh, yeah. If not firsthand, he certainly heard stories from people that are like, oh, stay away from Dracula. He'll bite your neck. Dracula's real? <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, they all decide that they have to go find her. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Wolverine's worried that his tracking will be difficult with the atmospheric soup surrounding the city. But, hey, he's up to the challenge. How come, just like on the cover... Kitty doesn't have a costume, and that's fine. Except that when they burst through the front door originally, she was wearing her costume. I don't know why she decides not to wear her costume. Maybe she this is like one of her new costumes that she used to design all the time. This is just like, my costume is just plain clothes. Isn't it creative? Maybe the um, professor being unconscious has given her a slight bit of creative, and this is where the socks come in. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, these are her, her costume socks. Well, they head off into uh, Central Park, and I, I've been to Central Park, but Central Park is huge. Uh, is there really a castle in Central Park, or is this just yeah, here for the story? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, but, okay. 
but it, it's it's certainly possible. I mean, it may not be like a castle castle, but there's well, probably some structures. Because they're like, uh, to, our, to, to our right is Belvedere Lake, and the great lawn up ahead Belver- is Belvedere Castle. That's where Storm is. Yeah, so that, may, that sounds like a real place. I New York listeners, like, is there a castle in in Central Park? I mean, I, I guess I would believe it if there was, but... As a side note, did you know that Chris Claremont was a Wiccan? I knew that he was from England. He married... I guess he married a, a Wiccan, and they used to go to, like, like cultish, weird Satan-worshipping things. I don't know if he worshipped Satan or anything like that. But he was involved in the weirdo occult. I don't think Wiccans necessarily uh, worship Satan. I think they're just self-proclaimed witches. Mm. Yeah. I used to work with a Wiccan, and I, and I asked her all the same questions, and she's like, no, we don't worship Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I believe they had some sort of weird occulty wedding. Sure, that yeah. I believe. Because she was even like, oh, I'm ordained to marry. I was like, oh, really? Like, you'd marry me to another person? She's like, totally. But that you were at my wedding. That obviously didn't happen. She was spiritually there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so was the devil. <laughs> well, anyways. The, the, the devil took over me that night. <laughs> On the dance floor. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the, they head up to Belvedere Castle, and before they get there, Dracula shows up. Quite, uh, yeah, we're not alone, says Wolverine. Quite true, humans. Your friend is my next man. Uh, 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 she is lost to you forever. By coming here to rescue her, you have merely sealed your dooms. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And here come some tiny little rats. <laughs> One, two, three. Uh, uh, uh. Well, the rats really don't do much. The rats we never see again. Do we ever see the dogs again? I guess we do. Yeah. Yeah, some, also some wild dogs who are impossibly large. They don't look impossibly large, but, you know, they're not, these aren't like Hulk dogs. No. Nightcrawler dives towards Dracula in a very uh, stunning-looking dive, but Nightcrawler just punches him across the face. Or Dracula punches Nightcrawler across the face. Whoops. Crack. With a crack. Wolver- or Wolverine is off slicing up dogs. Back off, Bowser. Whoa, well, this Wolverine doesn't kill animals, so, you know, he's just he's just punching them. Whoa, Bowser's in this issue? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Colossus is throwing him around, and that's when Colossus picks up Wolverine, holds him by his butt. Not the butt, but his butt. Let's try it in this quick. Set me up a fastball special. Duh! And he throws Wolverine to a Dracula who is laughing and disappears. Ah, 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 ah. Ah, 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 ah. One fallen Wolverine. <laughs> Two fallen Colossus. Ah, ah, ah. Well, Colossus punches Dracula. Dracula is able to take the brunt of the punch and push Colossus into a group of trees. Wolf. By the white wolf, says Colossus for the first time in an issue featuring Dracula. <laughs> Night, or Wolverine is still punching dogs. And this is weird because, like, uh, what Nightcrawler says, there are other ways to defeat him. And Wolverine says, I've seen the movies, elf. I know what to do. So apparently the movies are, like, the place to go for information. Sure. Well, I mean, is it safe to assume that Dracula is a movie in the Marvel Universe? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's weird. At that point, is it is it a biography and not fiction? <laughs> Does Dracula exist in the real world? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, Wolverine pops his claws and makes a makeshift cross. And I, 
uh, Dracula is like, As I told the child, the ploy is useless unless you believe. Bleh. <laughs> bleh, bleh. Um, but Nightcrawler does believe, so he picks up two twigs and creates his own cross. In that case, vampire, your cause is lost, for I believe. And I believe this is the first time that we we learn that Nightcrawler believes. What do you have to believe in exactly? God. Is it God or is it Dracula? It's. Well, I, mean, I guess at this point they must all believe in Dracula. Well, he's they're, right there. Yeah, they're fighting him. I think you have to believe in God or whatever religious symbol you're using to defeat him. You have to believe in whatever entity that that thing represents, like the Star of David or this cross. Okay. So if you're a Wiccan, you would grab a witch and hold it up to Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does that, and apparently it's not powerful enough uh, of a belief. So Dracula creates a set of chain lightning that will infinitely follow Nightcrawler wherever he goes. Which is, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. So Nightcrawler's teleporting, but every time he teleports, zap of lightning. So he just has to keep teleporting. Basically... He will die. Yeah, he'll get tired eventually. Meanwhile, Indiana Jones is going on a uh, what a, 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 an archaeological archaeological survey of Castle Belvedere. Yes, he, she is looking for the um, the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> the Storm of the Covenant. Uh, she discovers a uh, coffin. I almost said taco. <laughs> she discovers a taco. She's like, "Huh, I'm kind of hungry." I must be hungry. Uh, yeah, she discovers a taco, a, a <laughs> coffin, and she uh, she wonders if it's Dracula's or perhaps Storm's, and she's ready to go through with killing Storm. She's not sure if she can do it, but she's going to open up the coffin, and uh, she does so, and luckily, it's empty. She's about to stake whoever's in this coffin. Yeah, she's worried if it's Storm that she might not be able to do it. And nobody's in there, so she drops some holy water into the coffin. I hope it's Dracula's box through him right to be caught in the open at sunrise and burning to a crisp. But if Aurora isn't here, where is she? And she gets slapped into a wall, and she's facing half... Again, if she's... Like, her legs, she's clearly... Standing on something. So what part of her is not phasing through the ground here? Kitty's powers confuse me. Uh, like I've said in previous issues, she's like 70% or 30% dense here. So she got what slapped. What part of her is dense? The part between the, the... I mean, if her foot is through the floor, then what is she standing on? She's not standing on anything. She's just kind of, she's kind of floating. Floating in the wall in the ground. Well, I guess she can walk on yeah. nothing. So yeah, uh, and it's storm. And uh, in a very excited pose, she says, "Hello, kitten." Ha ha ha. <laughs> her eyes red. Her teeth fanged like Dracula's. But how you don't become a vampire till you give, uh, till you rise from the grave three days after you die? I read that in the movie. <laughs> I, saw it. I saw that in a book. Damn it. That, that's what I did when I left. I was researching vampires. <laughs> yep. I went to the library. Well, uh, she can't be dead. The, the transformation must begin while you're still alive, and the process is warping Aurora's mind. Hmm. 
Don't resist, kitten. I don't want to hurt you. The change is really quite wonderful. Kitty, stop. <laughs> don't worry, Roro. I'm not going far. Oh. I'm a stake you. Uh, the stake is no defense. With my mutant powers, I can summon a wind to batter you senseless. Aurora, fight him. You told me that you were a goddess consecrated to life. Prove it. Reach within your heart and soul. Fight him! And she drops the stake and says, Take my life. I'm not going to fight you. And then we cut to Wolverine and Colossus still fighting Dracula. Um, Nightcrawler bamps in enough so that the night, the, the lightning bolt, I guess, zaps Dracula. Is that what's going on here? Uh, Dracula's demonic lightning bolt have chased Nightcrawler across Central Park. Realizing that he can't outrun them, the German-born X-Men decides to turn the murderous situation to his advantage, advantage regardless of the cost. So I guess he teleports next to Dracula, which causes... I don't really know. I guess it causes Dracula to get confused and stop the lightning. But in the meantime, it knocks Colossus and Wolverine down. So I guess they all get zapped by lightning in a furious lightning fest? Yeah, but at least the lightning has stopped and Nightcrawler's not dead. Such courage, blah. Such audacity, blah. Your mutant comrades are indeed splendid foes. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, Storm wants to know what she'll do with them. He says that he'll slay them. And I like this panel where she kind of looks at the camera and she's like, that Dracula. And she's like licking her lips and she looks very pleased with the situation. But then she turns it around and says, you will never do. And she changes her costume too. Well, she can do that. We know. We don't know how, but she can. I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, that wasn't a nitpick. Oh, I don't like it, but that was just a, uh, a comment. And that's when Dracula turns into a bat. Traitorous witch, you'll pay for that. Ah, ah, ah. Enjoy your freedom, Wind Rider. It will not last long. We shall share the blood. We are abound. One heart, one mind. Blah, blah. One soul for all eternity. Blah, ah, blah. Your hold on me is broken, vampire. You can't return to what you were. Bleh. <laughs> so they fight up in the air. They crash through a restaurant and they're fighting. And Dracula turns from a giant bat into Dracula and uh, makes... Oh, well, because he's her master, commands her to kneel. Which she does. Mm-hmm. And, and then she demand, he demands that she uh, show her neck so that she can finish her off. And she does, but then she stops and says, No, I defy you, Dracula. I deny you. I shall not kill, and you cannot force me. Yes, Dracula wanted her to kill one of these restaurant patrons. So Dracula grabs a fleeing woman and says, Fine, then I'll do it. Bends her around, gets ready to bite her neck. Drop the weapon, Wind Rider. Yield, uh, uh, or I'll rip this bleh, cow's throat out. Let her go, none shall die because of me. Bleh, that attitude will change. Bleh, when you're a vampire. Bleh. All right, G.I. Joe number one's coming out this month. I know. <laughs> uh, yes, I meant what I said, none shall die because of me. Um, so. I will be true to myself, Dracula. I will not shed the blood of innocence, but to save them I will destroy you regardless of how long it takes or the price I must pay. I will end your reign of terror. You would Very well, Aurora. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm outie. 
and uh, you can have your freedom. I release you. Everything's back to normal. We can probably just forget that this issue actually ever happened. Okay, back at Misty's apartment. This is important for an upcoming other issue. <laughs> yeah, what, what happens? I don't know. Dracula comes back. Well, I know that, but what what is important for that? Well, that this issue is important for that issue. Oh, right. Okay, <laughs> if you say so. Well, because otherwise we'd be like, Dracula just shows up, and we're like, what? Well, it shows up in an annual, so anything can happen there. <laughs> I knew from the moment I tasted your blood that you are a woman of rare beauty, rare courage, rare strength. Um, but But I can't force you to accept my control. You've earned Dracula's respect, and hence your life. See ya. Wouldn't want to be you. <laughs> uh, when next we meet, if that night ever comes, it will be in a play time and a place of my choosing. Till then, farewell. Bye-bye. See you in an annual. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yep. Sun comes up. Everybody's fine. <clears throat> uh, Kitty's like, she's cured. Hooray. She's in the sunlight. Everything's cool. There's some tears. They, uh, Kitty says, hey, what do the guys think seeing us ball our heads off like a couple of sillies? They can think whatever they want, Kitten. I do not care. I have no way to thank you, Kitty. Such a debt is beyond human payment. Boys are dumb. <laughs> well, they, they head back inside and, uh, they, they talk about everything that happened when Kitty confronted Storm. Misty Knight returns and Misty's partner Colleen Wing returns. Asking about Scott. It is fortunate that Scott is not here, because I think Colleen would be like, There you are, big man. I haven't seen you around. <laughs> Who's this Lee Forrester? <laughs> and uh, Wolverine is drinking some Great White North A beer. <laughs> is that a real thing? No. <laughs> and then uh, the phone rings, and it's Moira McTaggart. I don't know, from this panel, I just all I can see is like, we got one! <laughs> nice. Yep. Uh, nope, she says, Aurora, this is Moira McTaggart. I want you and the others back on the island immediately. Collect Scott on the way. Professor Xavier has taken a turn for the worse. Next issue, Shoots and Ladders, the game of superhero madness. So, arcade returns. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers, next issue uh, is... One of my very favorites. Really? Yeah. I have no idea what's happening next issue. Unfortunately, this is the end of my Marvel Masterworks. Oh no, you're going to have to buy another one. Therein lies the issue, Adam. You cannot, I cannot, for the life of me, find Marvel Masterworks Volume 8 at anything less than like $125. Not even as like a trade paperback? Uh... I could probably get it from the library as a trade paperback, but I want it from my bookshelf, man. You know what? I even, this shows, I was a little disappointed in my local comic retailer because I went there and I was like, hey, because this happened to me once before with uh, Marvel Masterworks uh, Uncanny X-Men number three. I think all of the online prices were like 80 or $90, but one of my stores had a copy of it for retail, which was still kind of expensive. It was like $54. I was like, well, it's better than 80 or 90 So I bought it from him. He's so impressed that I was buying the old stuff that he gave me like a 10 or 15% discount. So that was, that was cool. But this time around I came by, I was like, yeah, I'm looking for uncanny X-Men Marvel Masterworks volume eight. And the guy's like, oh, that's not out yet. I was like, well, no, it is. He's like, no, it's not. I was like, 
yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it's, it, I'm like, it's actually out of print. And he's like, oh, oh, volume eight. Yeah, they haven't printed that in 20 years. And I was like, no, no. Uh, this is Marvel Masterworks, The Uncanny X-Men, volume eight, the silver covered. I think it's a reprint. I mean, they made all those old ones a long time ago. Yeah, but this is, no, 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 those, those have been out of print for 20 years. And I was like, I, no, I, <sighs> So he punches it up on his computer, and he he's like, yeah, yeah, oh, you're right, it's out of print. Uh, uh, but Volume 9 is coming out. You could pre-order that from me. Uh, and I was like, well, how much is that going to cost? He's like, $75. And I was like, $75 for Volume 9? That's crazy. So then when I went to my – and these are – these I'm talking about, like, some pretty major comic retailers that actually advertise in comic books that are kind of giving me, like, this they-don't-know-what-they're-talking-about type stuff. Went to my other one. I was like, hey, looking for number eight. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, what did he say? Oh, he's like, yeah, that's still in print. I was like, oh, I, I've done a lot of extensive research online. And, like, it's not on print, in print anymore. And he's like, yes, it is. And so I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, I can order it for you. And I was like, no, I think I'll pass. And then I was, I was leaving. Uh, I believe that. Marvel Masterworks, the X-Men Volume 8, not the Uncanny X-Men number 8, which covers uh, all of those middle-tier issues, that is still in print. And I think that's what he was referring to. But no matter what I said, he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, they were just arguing with me and stuff and telling me that this is just the same as the gold-bound one and that they're still in print. And I was like, no, you got Like, I've done my research. They're a very typical comic book, guys. Interesting. Can you believe it, Adam? Well, I can tell you this. I just found uh, Volume 8 for $30 of the uh, Marvel Masterworks Fantastic Four hardcover. Yeah. You could buy that and just do that instead. Uh, that would be interesting uh, if I read, like, a panel of Fantastic Four and you read a panel of the X-Men. Yeah. You know. <laughs> we tried to make a story out of that. <laughs> so I guess what that means is that the podcast is on hold until I can finally pick up marvel masterworks volume eight well i'm not reading from a hardcover book right now so <laughs> suck it up adam that's your choice also when i was uh when the when the omnibus number two did not exist i went to the my library and picked up a copy of uh the phoenix saga which had those issues to tide me over while i was waiting for my omnibus to come out so go to the library pick up a trade paperback problem with the library is that i have late fees <laughs> <laughs> well um does your wife or your daughter have a library card i don't know who's gonna pay these six dollars in late fees but damn well isn't gonna be me well do you all have you do you have like a family plan <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding I, I i will probably try to reserve the soft maybe cover. maybe your dad has a library card <laughs> i'm just gonna go to the library and steal it <laughs> my tax dollars that bought the book in the first place they owe me you just photocopy it <laughs> there we I, go i can go to my library mail it to you yes can you just like scan it and email me pages as we go yeah. <laughs> so all right anyways uh we didn't we didn't get any mail this week no you know what else we, we we didn't get we didn't get any new likes and what we're looking for are some new facebook likes in fact we're looking for 18 facebook likes because at that point when we get to that magical number of 200 we will hold a drawing of the folks that i can see on the facebook for x-men number 164 which we are rapidly rolling up to 
So if you want to win that, you should convince some of your friends to like us. Or if you don't already like us, you should like us on Facebook. Uh, as, a, as a secondary incentive, we'll do that thing that we sometimes do where we reread all the names of our Facebook listeners. Bonus. Yeah, so, so double whammy. There you go. Uh, and you can do that by going to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. You can visit our website, www.xmenpodcast.com. You can follow us at danger room go, or you can go into iTunes and you can, in the search bar, type in danger room. That'll bring up our podcast. You can uh, subscribe there. You can leave us some feedback or download your favorite episodes, what have you. Uh, we're also available on Stitcher, and you could leave us a voice message to hear your own voice on the podcast at 501-GET-X-MEN, uh, or you could email us, dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. There you go. So um, this is our first episode that we are recording in 2015. Happy New Year again. And um, I don't know, as, as something to do, I just came up with some some basic stats. <laughs> Um, in 2011, we released 27 episodes. In 2012, we released 39. And in 2013, we released 40. And in 2014, how many do you think we released? Uh, what was 2012? 39. It went from 39 to 40? Yeah. Well, I don't believe that this is the answer, but I really want it to be 41. <laughs> It's unfortunately not, because that would be perfect, because this year we, we would like have to record 42. Mm-hmm. It's actually 39. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought, I, thought, I thought we would have been much lower than that. No, but we need, we need to up it. This year, we got to get up to 52. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, and uh, as far as uh, iTunes ratings, in 2011, we got five iTunes ratings. In 2012... We got 14 in 2013, we got 18, and in 2014, we got 17. Whoa! So, uh, I guess we're shooting for 20 in 15. Yeah, we need to to up those numbers. We need need to get 100 this year. That that even works as a promotion, Adam. We need 20 in 15, yo, because that's 2015. Whoa! We need twenty that's and so fifteen, cool. and that would give us get us up to what ninety? Uh, uh, yeah, ninety. Ninety. Right. That's a good uh, number. A lot of lot of uh, more popular podcasts than ours have less than ninety. So I can go with ninety. I'd like to get up to a hundred, but you yeah, know. well, you know, baby steps. Whatever can be done. <laughs> you got any other statistics for us? No, that that's all. I I couldn't think of any. Like I, you know. I was going to try to figure out how many Twitter users or how many Facebook users, but uh, Facebook is password protected, and I don't understand Twitter. <laughs> We're old, and Twitter's weird. <laughs> like, I don't know how to see how many followers. Like, I don't know if there's a way to break it down by year. And I don't even know when we started the Twitter account. Uh, yeah, well, we have a guy that does that for us. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, um, there you go. Well, if you want to add to uh, those statistics for... For the year in review in 2016, well, it sounds like you know what you need to do. How many comic books did we give away in 2014? One. Yeah. So that's 100% more than 11, 12, or 13 combined. 
or 15 so far. There you go. <laughs> so we're going to definitely double that in 2015. Really? You think so? I got tons of doubles of comics. <laughs> uh, uh, I read Dazzler number 17. Who did you? I did. Who did you? Oh, did you know? Uh, Dazzler number 17, uh, in fact, does feature the high-flying angel and Dr. Octopus. Wow. That's a interesting group of guys. I could pretty much just leave it at that, and you would have the summary of the story. Really? <laughs> Angel's kissing Dazzler on the cover. What happened to San Candy Southern? Uh, oh, well, uh, that's actually not that clear in this comic. Hmm. But uh, I'll give you the lowdown here. The other thing is that uh, Dazzler's dating that Ken Lawyer guy, so it's kind of like a double, like, why are they kissing one another? Oh, he's the mustache guy? He's the red-headed mustache guy. And on the first page, they're making out with one another in a street corner at apparently 3 a.m. where some thugs are like, get him. And so they, they punch Ken, and they're about to do bad things to Dazzler, but Dazzler turns her radio on, and she dazzle blasts everybody. And Do you ever watch Parks and Rec? Not really. I've seen a couple episodes. Do you, do you know who Nick Offerman is? Yeah, he's like the boss guy, isn't he? Yeah, I'm going to pretend he's Ken. Well, they kind of look similar. Yeah, he's got a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dazzler calls the police on the guys, and uh, apparently I think the night's plans were for Ken to come over to Daz's place and for them to have a romantic evening. But now she's she's way too upset for that. So they go their separate ways. And Dazzler goes into her apartment and takes her clothes off. Uh, she takes her bra off, but we cut from that to her nightgown. But we do get to see her in her black sexy underwear. And then we get to see her in her sexy nightgown. Lots sexy? of Lots of sexiness. She receives a letter from Spider-Woman, who, or actually Jessica, Drew, who says, uh, Me and Spider-Woman are on the hunt for your mom. We haven't found anything, but we'll let you know if we do. And if you hear anything, let us know. So Dazzler's like, huh, they were kind of bitches, but I guess they're kind of nice now. But I'm still not going to hold my breath. So Dazzler heads into Harry Osgood's office to see if she can get a job. And she sings some Elvis, and that lands her the audition for some backtracking vocals for an artist's album. And she goes to the studio, and she finds Beefer there. He's playing the drums, so that's good, because they know each other. Uh, and another woman, uh, whose name I forget, um, but they become fast friends, uh, and they... Find out that they are doing backup vocals for Bruce Harrison, the guy that kicked them off the tour. And Dazzler's like, oh, this is so ironic. Is it? I don't know. Meanwhile, <laughs> halfway across the country, Dazzler's father is flipping the crap out. He is going nuts, and he's like talking about his mom, or uh, Dazzler's mom. I, I, I don't want to forget you, but I want to forget you. He's very conflicted. So apparently something happened in his past with her, uh, and it's really upsetting to him. But we don't find out what that is. After Dazzler's little record thing, uh, a, a very handsome blonde guy comes up, and he's like, hey, baby, you want a date? And she's like, who do you think you are? Well, we know, of course, that it's Warren Worthington. Uh, he follows her around. He tries to get on a bus, and the bus driver's like, it costs 75 cents. And he's like, do you have change for 100? And he's like, 
what do you think this is? I need exact change. So he has to borrow money from a bus patron to get access to the bus. Anyways, they follow each other in and around the bus, Central Park, whatever. And finally, she's like, hey, I'm I'm Angel. And let me take my shirt off to prove it. Remember, we were at the Avengers tryout together. We kind of talked briefly. Well, ever Was since... the Avengers or the... the uh, um, well, maybe I guess... I guess it, didn't they both try out for the Defenders in that one issue? I thought so, but here it says, uh, And later, when Moondragon compelled you and me, among others, to try out for the Avengers... Though we hardly talked, I sense something special about you. Oh, I think I do remember that issue. It would be nice if they said which issue it was. They don't. Uh, A couple of months later, having split in a huff from the X-Men, I found myself laid up uh, after the battle with Ghost Rider. So that must have been in a Defenders issue. Uh, No, that was in Avengers. Oh, okay. Uh, That one I covered. I remember covering that. I covered the Moondragon 1, too, but I didn't think it was in the Avengers, but... I guess it must be if they say it was. I had lots of time to think, maybe too much. I began reevaluating my whole life. That included my long-term relationship with Candy Southern. I've been with her so long, I forgot there were others in the world. That's when I started thinking about you. So that's the only discussion that we get about Candy Southern. Is that like, well, I kind of felt like cheating on her. <laughs> that's terrible. Angel. <laughs> Basically. And Dazzler's, This girl, you didn't even talk to her. What's wrong with you? He's just infatuated with some woman he saw at the Avengers tryout. Men are so stupid. Well, this is ticking me off. <laughs> wow, Adam. <laughs> uh, it, this is very, like, poor writing, in my opinion. And it gets worse, too, because dazzler's all conflicted too i mean really dazzler should be like i don't know who you are but you're kind of creeping me out i don't want to have anything to do with you and i have a boyfriend so i'm gonna go and she does i mean she does kind of carry that for a little bit she goes out to lunch with her boyfriend ken and that delicious mustache of him of his and that's when she realizes that their waiter is warren worthington and she's like what are you doing here and he's like well i saw you come in here so i bought the restaurant because i'm rich and they leave and she's mad, and she's so upset that she can't spend time with Ken. So Ken goes home, and that's when Angel flies in, and Dazzler's like, hmm. She's actually kind of thinking about it, like, he's unbelievable. Uh, in, in a good way, right? So she's kind of, like, curious, and he's flashy and handsome, and he finally can... Conv- creepy stalker. Kind of, right. And so he convinces her to go across town with uh, him and she's like fine but where's your car and she's like oh, we're not going to go driving in the car so he flies her around the town and all over the place uh, over the east river and uh the, the the twin towers and the statue of liberty and and uh they're uh they've been flying around for a long time and that's when they have a big romantic kiss up in the air which must be hard for angel to you know he's got to fly and he's got to kiss <laughs> Anyways, uh, and so Dazzler's kind of like, whoa, we just kissed. I think you'd better take me home. We got a lot of thinking to do. So they do. Dazzler, uh, she she does a performance on a 3 a.m. late night talk show. Uh, the late night talk show host doesn't even know who she is, um, which is, I don't know, whatever. But after <laughs> that performance, she goes out back and uh, there's Warren who drives up in his convertible and is like, hey, baby, you going somewhere? You going my way? And so they do. They're driving around. Uh, Dazzler is, is kind of enamored by this whole thing. And that's when they hear a horrible noise and they see 
Dr. Octopus escaping from an armored vehicle, and he goes on a rampage, and Angel's like, well, come on, Dazzler, we gotta take care of this. And Dazzler's like, whoa, whoa, I just want to be a singer, I don't want to be a hero. And Angel's like, but we're heroes, we're mutants, we have powers. And she's like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So, uh, Angel takes on Dr. Octopus, but Dr. Octopus is like, oh, I'm gonna beat up this girl that you're with. So he's picking her up and whipping her around, but little does he know that she's a mutant, so she whips out her radio, she gives him some dazzle blasts, Angel punches him a whole bunch, um, they just do fighty hero-y stuff for a while, until uh, they finally stop Dr. Octopus, and Dazzler's like, you know, I don't think I really want to have a whole lot to do with you, I don't really want to do much with a superhero business, take me home, this was fun, but I'm not into it. So they go home, uh dazzler's like you can see yourself out before angel leaves he starts rooting around her stuff finds the letter from jessica drew and is like huh man angel (laughs) i know it's like ah you're looking for your mom and you need some help well all i gotta do is help find your mom and and then you'll have to give me a chance and so angel flies away dazzler in her underwear pink this time walks towards the window and is like there he goes I don't have to be a fortune teller to know I haven't seen the last of him. Thank heaven. (laughs) And that's when the absorbing man shows up on a landing strip and uh, he is looking for Dazzler. Whoa. Yeah. So basically that issue just really establishes that um, Angel's a creep and (laughs) Dazzler's a little wishy-washy. Uh, I was, I didn't, I was surprised that there was actually a villain in that issue for a while. I was like, wow, is this going to be a villainless issue? It's like a romance magazine, but apparently yeah. Danny Fingeroth or whoever's writing it is like, we got to put in a villain. Mm. Figures. He was totally unnecessary, but anyways. Well, if you remember, uh, last week's issue of the Defenders, uh, Valkyrie had just awoken from her, uh, I guess, death. <laughs> And she was going to declare her vengeance upon the Enchantress. And so they, most of this issue is a big battle. Uh, she separates herself from Doctor Strange and company, and uh, they fight a bunch of uh, uh, harpies. Well, and the harpies turn out to be under the Enchantress's spell, and they're just regular um, girls from Asgard. Well, uh, the Enchantress ends up getting trapped inside of a magic globe. Uh, Vel- Valkyrie doesn't kill her, but she kind of wants to. Everybody's a little bit creeped out about the new Valkyrie. Um, Doctor Strange tries to pull the the B team. If you remember last month, they were in another uh, galaxy or something like that. He tries to bring them back, but he he can only bring back Hellcat. Uh, we get some random pages of Valkyrie talking to Odin, which is. Uh, some complicated uh, Asgardian backstory involving Celestials, which I never knew the Celestials had anything to do with the Asgardians, but okay. Mm, neither did I. Uh, back on Earth, uh, Vera is talking to Hellcat's uh, housekeeper about how weird her life is, and uh, that's when the heroes show up and they all decide to go their separate ways after everything that's happened to them. Uh, Doctor Strange goes searching for the B-Team, Hulk, Namor, and Hellstorm, uh, Spider-Man and Gargoyle head off, I guess, into Marvel Team-Up issue 119, according to this, and Beast and Vera go out for Indian food. 
Because oh. they got a lot of catching up to do, says Vera. Sure. And uh, Hellcat stays with her housekeeper and cries and then decides after a pep talk from her, her housekeeper that she should go find out who her father is. I guess she has some sort of weird, uh, like Satan told her that he was her father, but she's not really sure if she should trust that or not. Hmm. So uh, she heads off, and Doctor Strange is searching for the other guys in the dimension that he thinks they're in, and he ends up finding them in the last panel hanging out with Nighthawk, who, if you remember from a few issues ago, was dead. Oh, my God. Uh, to be continued. What else? Yes. Uh, in ROM number 32... Rom Space Knight. We continue from where uh, Hybrid and the three Brotherhood, who are referred to in this issue sometimes as the Sisterhood, are hanging out. And they fight for a little bit, but then they decide that they have mutual enemies in the X-Men and Rom, so they team up. Rogue is like, why are we teaming up with that guy? He's kind of gross, and uh, he's, he's certainly pretty evil. As they learn when uh, the four escaped convicts from last issue show up at the house looking for some sort of shelter, and uh, Hybrid strips off all of their meat, rendering them down to skeletons, which is kind of gross. And the uh, the brother the brotherhood or sisterhood are like, ah, what do we get ourselves signed up for? But then Rom shows up, and sh- they they fight against him anyway. Um, sh- Rom uh, senses no evil in Rogue uh, until Rogue kisses him, uh, absorbing some of his uh, power, because I guess he has a human side. But his human side has no power, but she does encounter his decency. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh. And they kind of have a little moment as they're kind of like, whoa. Uh, that, was, that was pretty intense, yeah. <laughs> was it good for you, Rom? It was good for me. <laughs> uh, at that, that's that point that Hybrid decides to surprise attack Rom, and uh, with uh, Hybrid distracted, Destiny is able to see a vision of the future again because she she'd been blocking him this whole time, or he'd been blocking her this whole time, and he can see that he plans for them to be his mutant breeders to sire his uh, multiple hybrid children to take over the Earth. Rogue says. Me? Make it with a horror like hybrid? <laughs> Make it. Um, they decide to run, but Rogue wants to stay and help Rom because he's such a nice guy. And uh, uh, Mystique says to Rogue, Need I remind you that we are evil mutants? Yeah, that's kind of cliche. <laughs> uh, Rogue, 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 Rogue joins the fight and hybrid grabs her by the face, which accidentally causes um, him to get absorbed by her and weakening him, and she gets all grossed out and thrown out of the fight. Uh, Rom gets back into it, but uh, Hybrid does some sort of uh, manipulating with some shape-shifting. First he shapeshifts into Rom's human form, and then he shapeshifts into the girl that Rom kind of loves. But then Mystique also jumps in and shapeshifts into the girl, making Rom realize that it's not her at all. And so from now on, Hybrid can't do that anymore, I guess. Um Hybrid manages to take control of Rom's neutralizer gun, which is unable to kill Hybrid at this point, um, and he is slowly moving it towards Rom to so that Rom will kill himself. Uh, but Rogue is convinced by the other, the Sisterhood, to go and touch Hybrid again. She's reluctant, but she does it anyway, and uh, Rom is able to kill Hybrid. The Sisterhood and Rom then part ways, and... Um, Rom and Rogue hope that they'll meet again. Rogue thinks, um, I wonder if, wait, no, I thought she said something in here about 
her being good or kind of given the impression of her being good. Yeah, we definitely get the impression that, you know, Rogue is is kind of fighting on the sides of of good now and, and thinking about, you know, being the rogue that we all know and love. Right. This issue definitely establishes a possible future in which Rogue may not be evil. So I, I kind of I kind of wonder if Chris Claremont was like guiding this a little bit or had anything to do with this at all or nothing to do with it and I don't know. Maybe. Um, Adam, I, I kind of flipped through Amazing Spider-Man number 230. I think I could probably do it justice in, in a pretty quick amount of time. All right, do it. Do it justice. <laughs> I'll, I'll fill in the gaps. Okay. Spider-Man and Juggernaut fight a <laughs> lot. Because Spider-Man is mad at Juggernaut because of what he did to Madam Web. Along the way... Um, Black Tom Cassidy is like, where is Juggernaut? He was supposed to be here with Madam Web. Oh, there he is. And who's that weirdo following him? Oh, it's Spider-Man. And then they fight. And my favorite panel shows up on page 12 where Spider-Man... I have this. I have this in a trade uh, paperback. I didn't realize it until I got to this issue. Um, So I've actually read this quite a few times in my past. But my favorite panel of Spider-Man driving a 16-wheeler truck. He's up in the cab, he's honking the horn, and he's getting ready to ram Juggernaut with the truck. I don't know. I just love that panel. It's 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 a weird scene because, like, in the previous thing, he lands on the truck, and um, he just ran out of web fluid, and the guy on the truck, he's like, Hey, hey, get off my truck. I read about you in the Daily Bugle. You're a creep. And Spider-Man says, Hey, I'm not a creep, but if you don't leave me alone, and he takes his crowbar and turns it into a pretzel says i'll do this to you and uh the guy runs away and then spider-man steals his truck rams it into the juggernaut the thing explodes in a fiery explosion yes it's a gasoline truck black tom is like oh he's he's exploded come on boy where are you Spider-Man reasons that Juggernaut must have been incinerated, but of course we know that he wasn't. Juggernaut walks out of the fire. He kicks over a um, fire hydrant, which blows up some water, which um, reacts with a nearby cement truck. Uh, So that's happening in the background. They fight a whole bunch more. Spider-Man tries to get Juggernaut's helmet off, but Juggernaut's like, hey, some other guys tried this, so I laser welded it to my suit. Right. <laughs> and so Spider-Man jumps onto his back and Juggernaut is punching Spider-Man's back, which is causing Juggernaut to, for some reason, get lower and lower and lower until we realize he has been pounding himself into the cement. And when he's low enough, Spider-Man jumps off onto the side and uh, just like a, a, I don't know, a big creature stuck in quicksand, the Juggernaut goes down. Spider-Man reasons that he must be... Uh, he must be done. So he takes off with his camera, tries to get his pictures over to Robbie, but he also wants to get over to Madam Web. There's a side plot about this Bannon guy. He's like, uh, let's take a look at Parker's work. Uh, I bet it sucks. And then he's uh, like, oh, they're they're awfully grainy. But uh, then Robbie, Robbie says, well, they are fuzzy, but they're clear enough to print. And by the way, Bannon, how many shots did you get? And Bannon's like, uh, oh, shut right. up. I misread that. Anyways, Madam Web is uh, touch and go. Uh, she's able to talk. Spider-Man's like, well, I'll just keep keep this up. Uh, whatever. We don't care about Madam Web. Uh, Black Tom <laughs> is on the yacht, and he's got his uh, binoculars on the um, construction zone. And uh, he's like, come on, Boyle. Where are you? Where are you? Some cement can't stop you. Come on. Where are you? 
Several hours later, he's still there. <laughs> yep. Surely he can dig his way out from under a few thousand tons of cement. Ha, sure, he can. Any second now. I know he can. Can't he? Can't he? Black Tom, get a life. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it would have been a great plan of Spider-Man's to get uh, Juggernaut into the cement, but he did it accidentally, which I thought was really dumb. Oh, well. Because, like... Spider-Man's plan is I'm just going to hold on to Juggernaut's helmet while he pounds me into unconsciousness. That's a terrible plan. Yeah. If this is the only way to stop him, even for just a while, I have to do it. Even if it's only for another 30 seconds. I don't know what to say. (laughs) I mean, I like the cement thing. I just wish they had made it on purpose. Oh, well. (laughs) Can't always get what you want. Uh, not Not in 1982. Um, I also read Contest of Champions 2, which, you know, briefly, two of the two of the teams that were selected battle, um, and each one for each side wins. Um, so it ends up a tie. And so we're essentially done, I believe, with Daredevil, Talisman, Darkstar, Sunfire, Invisible Girl, Iron Fist, Defender, She-Hulk, Captain Britain, Iron Man, and Raven Knight, and Sabra. And uh, we'll tune into the finale, which will actually have some X-Men in the next in the next episode. Hooray! Huzzah! Is that it, Adam? There's no other reading? That's it. Well, thank goodness. Whoops. Did you drop something? I did. Are you okay? I've fallen and I can't get up! <laughs> Is that it? Anything else, Adam? Uh, uh, spaghetti? All right. Until next time, everybody, the danger room is closed. Crawl till I'm on On my hands and knees God damn these bite marks Deep in my arteries Crawl till I'm on On my hands and knees God damn these vampires For what they've done